Hello, welcome to Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this podcast. Just a word of warning, we do three podcasts a week, but we don't always know which days it's going to be on. So the only way to hear every single one and keep your finger on the pulse is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? That's enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James, and today I'm joined by Mark Orders from the Swansea office. How you doing, Mark? Yeah, not too bad at all, Ben. Um, sort of brave in the showers, but uh, yeah, you know, it's um, yeah. Aside from that, fine. Oh, that's uh, almost comforting to hear that the weather's as miserable down west as it is uh, here in Cardiff. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the Sam just waiting, Ben, for somebody to pop up on my TV and tell me we've had a great summer. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it, it, we've just had loads of showers. You know, we oh, really yeah. have. Uh, and uh, just the odd spot of sunshine. Dare I say, a bit like Wales's form, a lot of showers uh, and the occasional spot of sunshine. Wow, that is that's as good a segue as you're going to get on this podcast. Um, yeah, try my best, Ben. Indeed. Uh, we also got Sean Holly coming up in a little bit later to speak tactics, but let's uh, let's let's get some wisdom from you first. And let's okay, talk, good let's, one. Let's talk about the uh, the summer warm ups. Um, yeah. What have you made of, of the four games? You know, we, they're all over now. Three defeats from four. What have you made of it? Uh, look, I mean, the results pretty much say everything, really. You know, three defeats and one win and. They struggled to get their attacking game going and 20 minutes against England. They were downright poor in the first game. And the final half against Ireland in Dublin was was no way really to sort of uh, head off to the World Cup. Um, So, I mean, really, you know, as I say, we're only talking five months ago, six months ago, they were winning a Grand Slam and they were a really, really difficult side to beat with a lot of momentum. They clearly missed Gareth Anscombe. Um, he just adds a little bit of attacking spark, and uh, and he's a total winner as well. And I think too, even though he didn't play in the Six Nations, I also think that they're missing Valato, um acutely in the back row. Uh, he's he's a player who could do everything. He can carry, he can tackle. He, he's an intelligent rugby player, and um, yeah, his loss I think is uh, is almost incalculable. Obviously, there's not not a lot that Warren Gatler can do about those two. So let, let's look at the individuals who are still there, who are travelling to uh, Japan as we speak. Out of the four games, yeah. who who impressed you, and perhaps who who didn't. Well, well, if we just look at the guys who sort of uh, who, who did sort of put their hands up, if you like, you know, I think that Aaron Wainwright had a, a really strong sort of campaign. Um, I was really impressed with him last weekend. He just he, he started tackling, uh, you know, with with a, a blaze of enthusiasm and aggression, and he just maintained it for the entire eighty minutes. You know, I was looking at him in, in the last ten minutes. And he and he was still there. The game was probably lost there. You know, Wales weren't going to come back at that point, uh, and yet he was still putting in the hits. And it was a really, really difficult game uh, for Wales because Ireland put their boot on uh, on Welsh throats in, in the second half, and Wales couldn't remove it. But Wainwright sort of kept in there, you know, with with his with his sort of attitude and and his 
and it's and it's resolved really. So I've been quite impressed with him. Um, and then some of the usual suspects, perhaps you know, Alan Wynn has had, um, you know, he's had he's had a, a decent sort of uh, program of games. Uh, I, I would say perhaps a, you know six out of ten in, in the first match, uh, an eight out of ten perhaps in the game against England in Cardiff, um, and maybe a seven out of ten last week. You know, it, you know he, he's, he he'll be better for those matches as well, and you know he. he he always, you can always bank on on Ali Wynn. I think Ken Owens, when he's played, has looked the part as well, uh, along with um, Josh Navidi too, and uh, Jake Ball has also, you know, come to the fore. Um, and I thought George North was good against England, uh, and Liam Williams. You know, he his sort of campaign, if you like, you know, was blighted by injuries, but um, when he did come on. He, he is a really good player who sort of adds sparkle and he can transform that world's back line and he kind of needs it really as well, you know, because I, I think it's, it has been lacking that element of uh, of surprise and it's, it's all become a bit predictable and stale. And um, So, yeah, also, just as, as a last sort of uh, shout-out, really, to the uh, two props last week who were quite good, uh, particularly in the scrums, you know, um, Francis and Wynne Jones. Um, you know, Wynne Jones is unheralded, but um, I, I thought he had a tidy little game. And uh, he, he was up against Tyke Furlong and he uh, he more than held his own and worked hard in the loose, you know. it was uh, So it would have been uh, quite encouraging for Gatland there, eh, his performance. There's a few names there that you've touched on who, coming into this uh, warm-ups, they, they wouldn't have been first choice. Um but they might have uh, forced their way in now. I'm thinking uh, Aaron Wainwright, Jake Ball and Wynn Jones. How, how do you sort of assess the starting creden- credentials of each of those? And do you think they've done enough to uh, to get the jersey? Um, well, I think Jake Ball, Jake Ball has probably done enough, I, I would have thought, because he, uh, he plays with real aggression. I, I thought he was very good last week. He, he didn't stop carrying. Yeah, I think his tackle figure was 14 nil, and um, he, he just worked really hard, and he made a mark, and uh, and that counts for a lot. Obviously, Adam Beard offers a lot at uh, uh, at malls, and uh, with his counter rucking, and he you know he's six foot eight, he's he's eighteen, nineteen stone. Gatlin enjoys that, but I think the pendulum may just have swung Jake Ball's way um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all you know if, if Jake Ball started against Australia on the um, on the 29th um, as regards the others Nicky Smith against Wynne Jones perhaps are still a bit of a borderline tall I think Nicky Smith is he offers so much in the loose even if we perhaps haven't seen it in in recent games, but he does, and he um, he's he's excellent at the breakdown. He carries, and he, he just these extras. But I guess for a, a prop, as Graham Price was saying the other day, I, I guess the most important thing for the prop is the uh, is the basic really of, of scrimmaging. And when John showed he could uh, could do that, and last week, so. You know, it's just how you weigh these factors. I think for some games, um, 
you know, Nicky Smith. If, it depends on the balance in the pack as well. If, if Wales feel that they are short of jacklers and turnover ball, then maybe Nicky Smith still edges it. But uh, undoubtedly, you know, uh, Wynne Jones uh, did himself a, a lot of good last week and it kind of wouldn't surprise me if um, if Warren Gatlin now had him ahead, depending on the opposition. Uh, as regards Wainwright, again, you know, that's that's a... That's another interesting call, but you can't look at it in isolation. You know, you, you've got to look at the the whole back row mix. You know, I think he's played really well. And um, is he ready for the World Cup at the age of 21? Well, you know, he's, he's looked very good, and you know, arguably he's been Wales's best player this summer. Um, you know, if he starts at six, you know, who do you leave out? You know, do you do you sort of? Do you switch, uh, do you use Navidi at eight and maybe drop Moriarty with Tipperick at seven? Uh, or do you sort of say, well, we need Moriarty because he gives the bat row uh, an edge, a real edge when he's on his game. And then it would be a, a straight battle between Navidi and Tipperick um, at seven. That's assuming that um, Wainwright wears the six jersey. Really, you know, I, there's also you know, a lot of people will say, well, why, why are we, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, what was the problem with, with last year's Grand Slam back row of Moriarty 6, uh, Moriarty 8, sorry, Navidi 6 and Tipperick 7. So there's real options there for Gatland, but Wainwright, he's had a really good come, uh, summer and he's, he's definitely uh, the coming man, you know, he's, he's going places. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly an exciting sort of time, you know. You think even with all the injuries we've had in the back row, and, and we've still got that much depth and competition. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. It's, uh, as I said earlier, though, you know, I, I still think, as any side in the world would miss uh, Tolupe Falatel, I still think that uh, that is a huge, huge loss uh, for Wales at this World Cup. Um no matter what mix that you'd have come up with, Falatel would have started for me at number eight. And, uh, you know, he, he is just uh, an authentically great player. Um, obviously, you know, he's, he's gone and we're going to have to wait uh, for the Six Nations perhaps before we see him again playing for Wales. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a question of making the best out of our resources and uh, of course, you know we haven't even mentioned Aaron Shingler as well, and and James Davis. Um, so yeah, there are some really good players there um, at the moment. I think on the evidence of form this summer, you you definitely consider Wainwright for that number six shirt. But um, you know they've got training to go, and it depends what kind of back row mix uh, Gatler wants. Really, I think. Well, you mentioned a, a few sort of key to- points there, sort of in a- attack, lack of a ball carrier. Um, when we're back next, we'll be hearing what Sean Holly has to say on all that and the summer warm-up games. Okay, I'm joined now by uh, Sean Holly to have a little look back on the four warm-up games. Uh, first of all, Sean, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, all, all ready for the trip to Japan. Looking forward to the World Cup, and uh, obviously digested all of the uh, the warm up games, the various home nations. So, pretty excited. Oh, lovely! When did you fly out? I I don't go until uh, just prior to the Australia game. So I'll be home for the Georgia game, 
and then uh, get out there for the rest of Wales's pool games and the quarterfinals. Hopefully, a little bit longer too. <laughs> I've got the option to stay, but um, as you well know, lots of commitments back uh, here. Uh, with TV and, ha- and what have you. So, um, well, let's just hope I get the option to stay out there and we'll progress to the latter stages. Absolutely. And you mentioned they're digesting the warm-up games. Um, what have you made of, of the four warm-up games? Well, I've been intrigued, really. Um, obviously, having coached for so long and uh, coached a lot of the players and you know worked with and under Warren Gatland, uh, it's been quite intriguing to see how they've approached the games. Uh, I think, you know, they'd be really disappointed with the, the actual outcomes in terms of results. But I think, you know, Wales have had such a good run leading up to these sort of warm-up games that uh, they'll still be quietly confident going into the tournament. And obviously there's been a real sad loss of uh, Gareth Anscombe, which has sort of upset the apple cart a little bit and, you know, probably altered the plans of, of Warren and his coaching team. Um but having said that, you know these warm games are, are in place for a number of reasons. And um, results aside, I think you know the the camp will still be pretty confident in what they can achieve. What they've shown is, you know, at at times their defensive effort is still as good as it has been over the last couple of years. Um, maybe they'd be a little disappointed they haven't scored as many points and as many tries as they would have wanted to. But looking at, at the games in a little bit more in depth. They haven't showed too much of a hand, have they? You know, they haven't really given up any sort of new sort of tactics, uh, attacking style or first phase plays and, and kept it pretty simplistic. That's cost them in terms of results for these games, but I think there's a lot more to come from Wales. Because with the attack, it almost feels that they've not just held things back, but they've probably, even from the Six Nations, they, they've lost a bit of variety there. Because if you look at the Six Nations... You had Tom Rucks, they'd either pick and go or they'd have one of the back three coming up um, first first receiver, to, you know, Liam Williams or George North that will cause problems. But it's it's been largely one-up runners, hasn't it, out, out of the ruck? Yeah, it has. It's been sort of that, it's almost been back to the sort of Warren Ball uh, attritional possession style of play um, to try and sort of wear sides down physically. And I think... You know, knowing Warren Psyche as I do, that you know there would have been an element of um, uh, physical preparation in those games, uh, building phases, high balling play with a kicking game, with the ball on the field, uh, and using it more as a, as a physical and defensive kicking style of preparation. I think there is more to come. Rob Howley, and no doubt, will have been working hard and on some of the attacking plays and they wouldn't want to have given that up too much. That said, you know, the the lack of line breaks, uh, the number of handling errors, uh, certainly from the games we, we've seen against Ireland, um, will be, you know, a slight cause for concern. But I think players have shown in the big games in the Six Nations that they haven't necessarily had to score that many points to, to win a Grand Slam. And, and I think Warren knows better than most that going into a, a, a long-distance tournament where there's a series of physical games that you know that sort of style could get Wales deep into the tournament. I still feel when they play the bigger teams, they're going to need to score tries. Uh, we obviously see New Zealand, uh, the favourites, they're, they're capable of scoring so many points. But if Wales can keep those sort of sides down to low scores, 
they may not need to score many points, but you know, I, I think they're going to need to. Um, we certainly have the players. I, I think we've looked most threatening from uh, broken play when the likes of Liam Williams, George North, uh, Jonathan Davis, and Coke get into the game in loose play and from receiving kicks. But uh, you know, the game is a lot more than just that. So uh, it's intriguing, isn't it, going into the tournament? I think the England home game for me is the one that really sort of. Uh, is the one to look at that you're able to suppress a very potent attacking team like England with a strong bench and depth in the squad. Um, and so, you know, we probably, uh, the, the purists, if you like, are looking at that performance more than any other as to, 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 to serving wheels well in the bigger games in the tournament. What, what has been striking, you know, going back to that idea of Wales largely using one-up runners is that we probably don't have the power in the pack to really play that way, do we? Um, you know, England with Billy Vunapola bullied us on on the gain line, and Ireland did so as well on Saturday. Um, yeah. So how, how how do we get around that? I think you, you probably see that Wales like to play with a lot of depth and try to get the strike runners out wide, but do you need to sort of earn that right first? Yeah, I think so. And that's where perhaps the loss of Toby Falato. Uh, is a big one for Wales and uh, certainly Gareth Anscum challenges the line by going very flat and, and getting in motion uh, you're absolutely right about the, the sort of two passes behind the forward pods to get to the wider channels that's clearly something they have been working on, uh, I thought Dan Bigger did well coming on, Rich Patcher shows signs of it in his time on the field, uh, but you're right you have to sort of get go forward and push the defensive line back a little bit to to, to get purchase in those wider areas, I think you know the loss of Falato is, is a cause for concern. Ross Moriarty is somebody who is an attritional ball carrier, isn't he? You know he does really run hard at the line. But I think what we'll probably see more in the World Cup is Wales is forwards, perhaps tipping that ball on a little bit. You know, just not running running up one up as you as you call it, but maybe tipping on to the forward outside. You know, having. Dan Bigger and Reese Patchell almost like a bit of a rapier behind so there are options for the ball carrier uh, perhaps uh, uh, not having Rob Evans is another loss because he's uh, quite a dynamic ball carrier in, in that department for a front row uh, maybe Nicky Smith is somebody who can can fill that sort of uh, Rob, Rob Evans sort of style but you know, it is a cause for concern and I think we will see some ingenuity around that but we will also see as we saw in the Six Nations the pick and go with, with Ken Owens and Alan Wynn uh, in and around there but we did see as well Justin Tipperick back to his sort of wide channel position and he as we all know is very creative in this whether or not Wales get some front foot stuff and get it into the hands of Tipperick in those wider channels it's funny you mentioned Tipperick because following on from the tip on pass, I think offloads, that's probably something else we'll probably see a lot more of in Japan, do you think? Um, Gatlin's sort of spoken about encouraging it, but you look at the numbers sort of in the autumn and I think they've only gotten a sort of double figures once, but when they have done it, they've looked relatively threatening with it. Absolutely right. And uh, the offload is so important in the modern game there because... You know, a lot of defences now are trying to hold players up and smother that ball and, you know, hold up for a mall to regain possession via a scrum. And so, that, you know, managing yourself in contact when these forwards and backs carrying into contact, if they can use a bit of footwork, free up their arms and offload, that is one way, a very important way of breaking down these modern styles of defences. I think perhaps as well, you know, Warren would be looking at the likes of 
Aaron Shingler to come back into some form with the loss of Fowler. So he's a, an athletic sort of backfly forward who can offload. We know Alan Wynn has been very, very good at it for a big man, typically, as we mentioned. So, you know, we may see a lot more of that, certainly in the games against Georgia, uh, Fiji, where we'll need to combat their offloading game, and Uruguay, we might see Wales expand a little bit. But I, I, you know, I wouldn't expect too much against Australia. That is the crux game for Wales in the pool stages. And uh, that's going to be a pretty tight one, isn't it? Because Australia have shown that they, they get in some confidence, they get in some form back. And that's going to be a massive, massive game. Should Wales, as I expect, win the other games in the pool? I suppose we'll, we'll touch on defence as well because you, you talk about Australia being a massive game and we've probably seen a, a bit of a shift in the Australian attack um, in, in the last few months. They're looking to play on the game line a bit more, I think. Um, uh, and, you know, we know we know what Wales can do defensively. Um, They've missed a few more tackles in in, in the in the summer warm-ups than you'd have expected. I think it's about twenty odd tackles they've missed across the games. I think I think Wales' defence, uh, as they've shown in in other campaigns, better they will it will get stronger and stronger. And I was present at the Ireland game, the Grand Slam game, and you know for seventy nine minutes, Ireland didn't even look like breaking Wales down at all. And uh, really, right at the end, they scored their try. But and I think that's going to happen with Sean Edwards' defence through the World Cup. It's going to get stronger and stronger uh, as the boys play more and more games and get into the campaign. Wales traditionally start a bit slow in a campaign and get stronger and stronger. And I, I, I add these four warm-up games as part of the campaign leading into the World Cup, as I'm sure uh, the Wales coaching team is doing is, as well. Of course, the hold-up strategy. Is um, it can be a dangerous one because you're not chopping the legs away, you know, of the attackers. And Australia have real important attacking runners uh, in that back line. Don't underestimate the role behind the scenes Scott Johnson will have had in instilling that sort of flat again line approach in motion. I coached with Scott a lot, and uh, he will be promoting that front foot, getting out, challenging that defensive line, tip on passes, passes out the back, inside balls, and all of a sudden we're seeing these Wallaby forwards now with this ball handling capability, uh, and that makes them a very, very dangerous side. However, you know, you look at that New Zealand performance where they bounced back from a defeat of the Wallabies and, and shut them out and beat them by 40 points, that this Wallaby side is still quite fallible, and, you know, Wales have a a confidence around playing the likes of Australia these days that I think they'll be geared up with a game plan uh, to win that one. It's, of course, it's all on the day in this World Cup in the big games. It's going to hinge on big moments. And you know, one thing I was a little bit fearful of in the first warm-up game at Twickenham was the number of penalties that Wales give away. And you know, you cannot give any side international level the field position penalties give away because you know the place kickers and the, the touch kickers are so accurate these days in getting into the 22 and it's very difficult to defend lots and lots of phases I mean one thing Wales have been good at in these warm-up games and through the Six Nations is their cover defence and uh, when line breaks have occurred they've got back they've made good tackles they've reorganised their defensive line and made it difficult being very physical in their own 22 for the opposition to score their defensive malls have been much, much improved. So defensively, I don't really have that much of a concern. It's whether or not, you know, we can keep the penalty count down and score maybe two plus tries a game in the big games that Wales are probably going to need. How do you break this Wales defence down? But I suppose we saw it <laughs> We saw it on Saturday. 
it doesn't really get broken down, does it? It, it, it sort of, it rarely breaks. It, it just sort of buckles. But then I suppose whether they're winning the collision battle or not, it's discipline, isn't it? That's the key. You know, ten penalties conceded in that second half. It's it's suddenly an uphill yeah. battle, then, isn't it? Yeah, against any side, you know, whether that's three, six, nine points or that field position in the 22 where, you know, it's very difficult to stop driving more, you know, without giving other penalties away. And, of course, you know, culminations uh, of penalties leads to yellow cards. The hold-up mentality, you know, it has an element of risk for high tackles and officials, TMOs, are going to be really, really firm on that in this World Cup. So, now, they'll be very mindful of that. They will have been practising that in and around their physical conditioning. I think one way to break down Wales, it's a risky way, and that's the little kicks over the top, of course. Sean Edwards' defence relies on the scrum half coming into the defensive line. So there's no sweeper in the backfield then, which is a lot of space for the likes of Liam Williams, Lee Halfpenny as a fullback to cover. And uh, that's always difficult for a fullback, particularly when you're asking your wingers, your 13s, to push up really hard and blitz on the outside. So when you think of Australia, uh, Fiji as well, very tricky with ball in hand, yes, but also clever little kicks. So when you've got Foley, Beal, and number of players in there, you know, uh, who can who can kick maybe one pass out, two passes out, then there's a lot of space in that backfield which which lends itself to 50-50s. I think we'll see a lot of aerial attack against Wales. You'll put the likes of Liam and Lee under pressure with high balls because, you know, they can be contestable kicks. They can go any way. They may look to crossfield kick the likes of George North and Josh Adams put them under pressure on the back foot. It's a tactic that Wales have adopted very well themselves with ball in hand. We know about Dan Baker's pinpoint kicking. Of course, who could forget Josh Adams' winning try against England for the Grand Slam. So, you know, those sort of tactics uh, can break uh, that Welsh defence down. But, uh, you know, it's so well organised and they cover so much ground that it, it can also be quite a risky tactic. It's interesting you talk about kicks behind because obviously you know Gareth Davis does defend uh, in the line, but they've they've often used a sort of pendulum system where you'd have Gareth Anscombe dropping back as fly half or Reese Patchell as fly half into that backfield um, with half Penny or Liam Williams, and then one of the wingers drops, and as one of the wingers drops, one of the full back or the fly half goes up, sort of in a pendulum system. But obviously Gareth Anscombe's out, and he he was a full back as well as a fly half. Do you see them using a similar thing with Dan Bigger? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And those kicks I mentioned, it doesn't get better in world rugby is there in the air than, than damn bigger. They they try to, you know, contain when when possession of the opposition is in the middle third of the field and there's a lot of field position behind you, right? They use two fullbacks, almost like two centre halves positioned on the two fifteen metre lines, and then you tend to see a lot of tens kick down the middle of, of the field for field position. That of course then hits grass and then the covering man has a long kick to kick to touch from the centre of the field. That's you know, if you get a good kick uh, line chase in on your kick chase, then uh, it's a long, difficult kick, and you can get the ball back on your own halfway line. They, these are tactics that the coaches, of course, will be will be thinking of. Another tactic I think against a, a, a style of defence Wales has is from the touch line. If you can get a big ball carry in 15 metres in, you'll see players pulling back in that 15 metre channel and attacking back down that short side where maybe one of those backfield players at a 10 or a 15 a bigger Liam will have, will have shifted back towards the open side in the defensive line and sometimes an attack down that short side with guys with quick feet or even a grubber kick through 
when there's space behind there is a real potent tactic. It's something we have to use quite a lot against that style of defence at the Ospreys when you had a Gavin Henson at 12 or a, a James Hook at 12, a second kicking option. You're almost attacking both sides of the rut and that makes it very difficult for the for the players covering in the backfield. So it's intriguing stuff, isn't it? You know, there's a lot yeah. of tactics that tactical preparation, video analysis go into this, the tendencies of, of teams and individual players and sometimes it works best, sometimes it doesn't, it's all on the day. Absolutely um, before we finish um, let's talk about the set piece because that's been quite mixed hasn't it, you know the line out um, having dropped off in the Six Nation that looks to be back to, to sort of where it was last year as one of the best in Test Rugby but other end of the spectrum the scrum has, has really struggled hasn't it? Yeah, which again, you know, uh, raises the eyebrow about Samson Lee, Rob Evans, who've been, you know, pretty solid in that scrum department. Reese Carey, if he's used, Dylan Lewis still a little bit sort of uh, untested. Um, still question marks over this scrum in that area. I thought we'll started the the scrum game very very well. Thomas Francis, a real good Six Nations, you know, has claimed that number three jersey. Nicky Smith, we know, is a good scrummager. Um, but it's certainly some somewhere the Australian side is much improved in this area of the game. Big front five poles who can scrummage now as well as play good open field rugby. Uh, and I'm sure Rob McBride is working very hard on that. The line out for me has been disappointing, and it's ironic looking at you know certainly Ireland they struggle in the in the line out in their warm up games. And I wonder whether what we talked about. You know, a few minutes ago, Ben, you know, are the sides giving up too many of their line-out options? You know, uh, too many calls. Are they holding back a lot of their movement, their complex movements and sacrificing perhaps uh, too many options to win the ball in these warm-ups? And then underneath will have been working on systems that they will bring into the World Cup. Because again, the coaches, the analysts will be really studying the tendencies, the movements, the throws and the lifts and the jumps of all the teams and trying to get some 1% advantage going into the World Cup off the back of these warm-ups. I think Wales, Island and Co will be holding back a little bit on those things. And around the line as well, and even the scrum, uh, plays and a, a launch plays off that, they will have been holding them back. It's not to say they wouldn't have been working on them hard in their pre-season camps, the pre-World Cup camps. Um, but there's been a bit of caginess around these warm-ups. And I'm not too sure that, um, you know, outside of the perhaps errors and uh, individual physical performances, the coaches will pay too much attention. You know, they'll be they'll be all ready with a World Cup plan going in as they come off the plane and start training in Japan to, to launch themselves into the campaign. Exactly. The real proof uh, will be in the pudding in the next few uh weeks and months won't it absolutely it will and of course you then build game to game you know uh, you grim with certain strategies for certain opposition you know I'm not so sure we'll see too much uh, against Georgia albeit I think Warren will pick a strong side because you want to get going particularly for a couple of defeats now you you want to get a good win under your belt against Georgia Australia comes thick and fast but I think we'll see a pretty strong core uh, to try and dispatch Georgia who who were beaten quite comfortably in two games uh, by Scotland with a mixed Scottish side as well so you know a good start there fully loaded against Australia going in with confidence and then who knows Wales could get on a roll well, there we go. I'm pretty excited for the World Cup now after this chat, all, all this tactical stuff. Um, uh, enjoy yourself uh, in, in Japan, Sean, and hopefully uh, you have the option to uh, to stay out there a little longer. Uh, thanks for having me again, no problem.
I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Okay, so that's what Sean Holly had to say. Um, Mark, let's um, let's uh, let's let's go through your final thoughts then on the warm-ups. Let's let's sum it up. Right. Well, with the with the warm-ups, I think Warren Gatland will be looking. They, they, you know, the three defeats suggest a sort of uh, a dismal campaign. But as, as we mentioned earlier, really, you know, there there were some encouraging individual performances, and uh, perhaps you know Wales did. Or they only showed themselves uh, once, and that was against England. But you know, these are these are friendly games. In 2011, Ireland lost four uh, warm-up matches, and then they uh, they won their pool in the World Cup. So, you know, the real action starts here. I think Gatler would definitely be looking for more from important players like Ross Moriarty, if he's to, uh, if he's to claim a start in Jersey. And uh, I think Jonathan Davis had um, quite a quiet summer as well. We, I don't think we've really, really seen him at his best. You know, he's a good organiser. On his day, he's a heck of a player. But, you know, last week, for instance... He uncharacteristically missed a tackle for Ireland's first try, and and then there was a pass behind Josh Adams, and I I just think at the moment he's taking a bit of time to move up the gears, um, and perhaps you know, again you know, just just in Tipperick, you know, we he, he's in the back row and he, he's a great defender. We know that he's a great defensive organizer, um, but Tipperick is doing a really really big performance. And he's capable of it, of course he is. You know, one that sees him making perhaps a lot of turnovers or maybe sort of really standing out in the loose, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, those, those you know, those, those are areas that Gatler will be and players he'll be looking really to, to sort of come through and, and shine in the next couple of weeks. To keep you a little bit concerned about a fly-off as well, mind, um, because reliable though damn bigger is, he definitely wouldn't have wanted, in a perfect world, to travel to Japan with with question marks over the uh, over the fitness and readiness of Reese Pacho, and um, it uh, you know he, he, t- he took another bang to the head, and what uh, that's the, that's the third this year, and perhaps the fourth in, in three or three or four years. And uh, oh, these are brain injuries, and and it's, it's a cliche that you can't mess about with them, but you really can't. You know, they could have long-term consequences, and um, so Wills will need to look after him. Uh, I wasn't, um, I, I didn't think he went particularly well even before his bump. You know, there's a missed tackle or two. Or there was there was that risky pass, and then that, that up and under, which was a bit vertical. He seems a player who's who's really uh, effective coming on in the, in there as a replacement, as he did so well against Tonga last autumn and against Ireland in Cardiff. But he, he perhaps doesn't look at test level so comfortable when he starts, when it hits a really going in and everybody's fit and firing. Perhaps Patchell seems to enjoy it more just coming on in the final quarter when people are tiring and so on and so forth. So Gatler will be a bit concerned by that, and he, he'll really, really be hoping that uh, you know uh, Patrick proves his fitness as soon as he's out there and, and gets up to speed quickly as well. Otherwise, there'll be a huge burden on bigger. 
Um, yeah, so that, that's about it, really. That's that's uh, that's as far as uh, you know. That's what I've seen really this summer. Obviously, we you know we talk about sort of coaches keeping their cards close to their chests uh, in these games, and undoubtedly they do. But how close do you think Wales have kept the cards close to the chest, and and uh, and what more have we got to see from Wales? Yeah, they. I mean, they 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 probably have. He's he's been he's been groping around in certain areas. He would have Gatland. He would have been really really disappointed with the. Um, the display for 20 minutes against England up there, but you know Wales did improve, and then over the over the next sort of uh, 60 minutes, and then you know there there were signs of progression in an unspectacular way the following week before he he mixed it up, but there was clearly an experimental side against Ireland in Cardiff, um, and, and then Ireland reverted to type in Dublin, of course, you know. And, it was this sort of power game, and they're so difficult to to play against when they operate like that. Wales couldn't get the ball off them. Um, I think, really, you know, even at full strength, I think Wales, but uh, even at full strength with their best lineup, Wales would have struggled out there last week. Um, like, I mean, Gatland, Gatland, he he will look to bring about a big improvement before the first game in Georgia. Uh, chatting with Scott Baldwin this week, and he was saying, "Oh, there, there is no better man manager, and he, he will he, he will reprogram minds, if you like, and, and get players believing in themselves. And that's crucial. That's what happened in 2011. You know, Wales went out there and lost to South Africa, and you know they 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 stuttered a little bit in in the group um, before really coming good and." And sort of pounding uh, Ireland then in the uh, in the quarterfinal, and you know they reached the semis. So they hope to generate a bit of momentum, uh, you know, throughout the, the the group stage. And it's not easy because they're in with Fiji as well as Australia. Um, but if they could qualify as uh, group winners, then there's no reason really why they they can't reach the semi-final again. But it's critical that they they qualify as group winners. Yes. Funny you mention that because obviously today I think you've had the unenviable task of sitting down and sort of predicting how the World Cup's going to pan out, haven't you, game by game? No, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. It, it was horrendous. Actually, I, I only had to do the um, in the pool stages. I just had to sort of pick the the, the pool stage winners, etc., and uh, the, the two to qualify, and then. The knockout stages, I had to go through it game by game. So, um, yeah, you know, and uh, as I say, when you, when you look at some of the uh, the pools were straightforward, really, as far as I could see anyway. Um, nobody's going to back uh, against New Zealand and South Africa, for instance, uh, uh, in, in their pool. Um, and then I think it was, well, England, France, Argentina, it's two from three there, England, Scotland and Japan. You know, it's, it's two from three there, and Wales, Fiji, and Australia. Perhaps you know, two from three there. Um, but for me, you know, the the big game. Everybody's saying it, and you know, it is right. The big game in that pool D will be on the 29th, and that will be Wales against Australia. And um, the Australians are not playing especially well. 
you know they, they they're patchy really patchy you know they 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 put uh, they put away the All Blacks fair enough with the All Blacks down to fourteen for forty minutes uh, a month ago, but then the following week they were all over the place and lost thirty six nil and they were unconvincing again uh, last week against Samoa. But they have got some world, obviously got world class players in Paul Cooper, Terevi, and um, you know. But Wales beat them last November and. If they're on their game, and I stress if they're on their game, uh, Wales can, can yeah, you know, they, they will they will fear Australia and, and, and they are capable of beating them as they showed, you know, but they need to be operating at their very best. Um, and uh, if they do that, potentially uh, Wales will, could then play, assuming England top their group, Wales could then play uh, the runner-up in that pool, which will be France or Argentina, and both of whom are beatable uh, in the quarterfinals. And you know, if, if you, um, uh, you know, and, and then it's semi-final time, and you know, then probability is you, you'd be up against one of the big two, New Zealand or South Africa. And um, I guess, uh, you know, well, we, we we can but hope, but uh, you know. I had Wales going as far as the uh, the semi-finals, um, but as I say, uh, a word of caution. You know, I did stress that uh, it depended on them really uh, bringing their A game to the table against Australia, and um, of course, you can't count out Fiji either, no. um, who uh, who really are a dangerous dangerous team. And I don't know if you can remember the. Uh, the match in the last World Cup, which was on a Tuesday night, and and they played some brilliant rugby with uh, Nakarawa, and they they really were outstanding, and just a blaze of offloads. And uh, Wales will have to be a little bit careful uh, when they come up against them, as will Australia. But really, I think that uh, you'd expect uh, both Wales and Australia to be too organised, perhaps, and um, and uh, and perhaps put them away, and and so. Yeah, you know, as I say, I had South Africa going on to to win the whole Suki match and uh, play New Zealand in the final uh, with England, the other semi-finalist. And uh, but you know, uh, I, I, I didn't use a crystal ball, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I uh, I just had a stab at it, and uh, yeah, the Springbok for me, I think. There we go. Um... I think you'll be a, you'll be due a pay rise after all that work. To be honest, I think you certainly earned it. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> I really am not holding my breath on it. Oh. Oh, it's, a, it's a lottery. It's, it's a bit of fun, and yeah. um, you know, as I say, it, it could go so many different ways, and there are so many key games like the. Uh, pool B encounter between New Zealand and South Africa again that will determine Massive who game. tops that group yeah. and, and, that's, and that's critical and um, uh, but yeah you know those two are, are still for me they're, they're still right up there you know as as maybe the top two um, in the world even though, uh, even though the, uh, the world rankings say otherwise um, I, I think that uh, outing uh, Japan, those those two will be the teams to beat. 
There we go. Uh, well, your efforts are certainly appreciated here on the podcast. But that's all we got time for today. Um, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe to the podcast. And we'll be back sometime next week with the next one. But until then, you can catch all the latest Welsh rugby news on Wales Online. Wales Online.